Blog Talk Radio. Good evening, everybody. Uh, this is Winchester Radio. I'm Clarity, and I'm here with Becky. Uh, tonight, we're going to be talking about the 18th episode of the sixth season, uh, entitled Frontierland. We're going to talk about the episode, but most importantly, we have a very special guest tonight, the director of the episode. Uh, he has been uh, a guest with us before, and we're just delighted to have him back. Guy B is here this evening. So uh, we're going we're gonna to talk about the episode. We're going to uh, ask questions that we've gotten through uh, Twitter and Facebook over the week. And um, we're just to let everybody know we are not going to take uh, callers tonight so we can focus right in all the questions. And Guy can tell us lots of stories about an amazing episode. Congratulations, Guy, and thank you for being on the show. We're just, just thrilled, and it was a fantastic episode. We can't wait to hear all about it. Well, thanks for having me back, and um, I'm glad that so far, just accor- I'm sitting at my desk and just according to the Twitter and uh, some of the Facebook things, um, it, it looks like a success, a hit, and, and uh, I was saying that the, the, the thing that really hit me is I, I got a little quick little Facebook uh, message from Serge Leducier, who is the camera, the director of photography, cameraman, who I'm a huge fan of and I just love working with. It's, it's uh, one of the best experiences i've had as a director working with serge now here this is the third time and um he just sent me a quick message saying hey it looked great and you know something to that effect i mean you can go on my wall on facebook and but that means a lot that uh, means he watched it live and i know he's seen it a couple times because he did a color timing all that sepia color from when they go back into the old west was all done in post um you know we talked about it and and uh decided that would be a cool thing to do and of course you know we ran it by bob and sarah and i think i guess everybody thought it was a good idea because that's that's i guess how it ended up i i haven't seen it yet so i'll see it at nine o'clock my time which is still an hour and a half away but anyway thanks for having me back thank you um was, you want to start with the questions or okay yeah so i i have to say first of all it was absolutely amazing episode i wait i can't wait till you actually see it because it was just <laughs> so so good Good. And it's weird talking to you about it when you haven't actually seen it yet. <laughs> yeah, well, like I said, I, I, when I turned in my cut, you know, like nine weeks ago, it was four minutes too long. You know, I talked to Bob Singer, and he said, well, you know, we got to yank the four minutes out, of course. And that's that's sort, sort of standard for any any episode that I do of anything. It's usually five to ten minutes too long, and you want it that way. You want to be able to trim the fat, so to speak. And it's always better for the cut to have, it, it, you know, you, you find the moments that you can – you can take out and you don't miss. And the only people that miss it are me and, you know, uh, the people that are very close to it because you can't miss something that you've never seen. So the general public, the audience, the fans, they don't they don't miss anything because they've never seen it in the first place. And um, I haven't seen any of Ivan's work, you know, all the stuff that we did um, in with, uh, that I did in the editing room was just all temporary and, you know, I haven't seen any of the final music or the, like, uh, the sepia tone stuff. So I'm, I'm excited. I, and I'm, I, I love being that way. I like, I like stepping away from things and then coming at it, you know, weeks later with a fresh, you know, I'm not too close to it now like I am, you know, once I get in the editing room, I'm really close to it because I've just spent eight days, you know, sweating over it. And so, uh, so I'm excited to see it. Can you um, can you tell us what was the very first thing you did when you, you know, when you went to Vancouver and start you know started the process? How did how did it go from start from from when you very first started? 
Uh, you know, it's funny. I uh, I got the script like a day, probably a day before I traveled, and I remember reading that first page. And the first page, I, I believe, if it's still cut the way you know it should be, um, is the is the high noon shootout. And yep. um, and that's sort of what I guess the the clip they showed at the Paley and all that. You see that that kind of the quick high noon shootout. And so and for some reason in my head, I thought immediately, oh, this is this is a dream. Jensen's going to wake up from the end of this like in a cold sweat. I go, okay, this is a dream. So I'm I'm thinking of a cool, interesting way to shoot this where because I you know in my I didn't know that the border town existed. I didn't know there was an old west town that that obviously Jerry had already scouted and. Because you know the production designer, transportation, um, Russ Hamilton, those guys get the script—not necessarily a script, but a, a breakdown of what the episode that's coming up will be, so they can get a jump on all that stuff. But I don't get a script until they actually really do have a completed. It's a first draft, and things change. But um, those guys uh, already, you know, sort of had scouted Border Town, and they knew it was a place that existed already. Well, in my head. I had I had Im- had an image that this was a going to be a dream, and also I had just come off of watching True Grit, so I had watched you know the Coen Brothers True Grit in the movie theater way before I got this script, you know, a week and a half, two weeks before. So it was so ironic that I got this western script, having been you know now I'm all hopped up on westerns. Mm-hmm. I, the other thing that ha- was going through my head is I I had also watched Black Swan, and Black Swan is you know the psychological thing where you're sort of you know, it, I don't want to ruin it for anybody who hasn't seen it, but, it, but basically it's about perfection, and, and sometimes your own worst enemy is your worst enemy is yourself. You know, you fight yourself internally. So I pictured, well, this obviously Dean's the person that he's fighting, this faceless, dark, you know, gunslinger, you know, whatever, 40 feet away from him, all in black, is him. He's fighting himself. So all that stuff is going through my head, and I'm reading, reading the teaser, and then I get, you know, we get into the rest of the script, and I'm like, oh, wait. He really does go back to the West. He really does have a gunfight with this, this real person. So that was what kind of went through my head. And I, st- but I didn't want to abandon that idea that that this could possibly be um, him fighting himself. So I, originally, I talked to Sarah about in the teaser maybe keeping, um, you know, who we eventually cast Matthew Armstrong as like like doing him in complete shadow and, and silhouette. Mm-hmm. It, it didn't really end up that way. But there, I think the cuts are so quick that, because for me, I didn't want to blow it when the guys come into town and they see the guy with the noose around his neck. I didn't want the audience to immediately go, oh, that was the guy he shoot, that, that Jensen's going to shoot later in the episode. Um, the, the opening of the episode is actually the hanging. Oh, it is? Okay, so they reordered mm-hmm. some stuff. Okay. So, you know, because the way it was scripted was mm-hmm. there's a gunfight, and then mm-hmm. it, it happens really quick really truncated version of what the sh- the sh- uh, sh- eventual shootout sh- you know showdown happens at the end um so okay they so they start with the okay well that's interesting well, well the teaser is the the teaser is the shootout yeah and then 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 you get the special credits have you seen did you know about the special right. credits well i saw a little right. bit of that thing the paley thing where it was like the 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 you know the letters on fire or whatever like bonanza mm-hmm. yeah it was really yeah, cool yeah kind of a bonanza Oh, cool, cool. I'm looking forward to that. Yeah. Um, and then you still get a little bit of the shatter effect for Supernatural. And, yeah. Uh, and it goes, and, and, I'm, and I'm really sorry. It does. I'm so sorry. It starts with, with the shootout, and it is from a distance and far away. Yeah. And then it, it goes on yeah. to say 48 hours 
Yeah, earlier. It gets the yeah. date, and then it says 48 hours earlier. Yeah, and the idea was that I didn't want the audience to ever associate the guy who who Dean's having mm-hmm. the shootout with in the teaser mm-hmm. to be for when people saw him up on, you know, when he, you know, he, he's got the noose around his neck and they eventually hang him right there. I didn't want mm-hmm. the audience to go, oh, that's the same guy that he was having the shootout with. So we kept no, it kind of, we shot it kind of. I never thought it was him, so I think you did good with that. I didn't think okay. it was Well, that was the idea. I, we, I said if we can't keep him too silhouette because you do sort of need to see the guy's eyes, um, then at least we can um, play with the idea that, you know, we can cut it, we can cut it quick enough where you'll never – realize it's the same guy um of course as the as the episode goes on you go wait a second that's okay now it's all making sense to me which is you know what good what good cinema should do it should always have you thinking and you know good good you know non-linear editing where you go back and forth in time a couple times but uh anyway so that was sort of what was going through my head and then i just started to do as much research as i could um i think got, somebody asked me about what movies and other than true grit i didn't really watch anything from beginning to end I just went on YouTube and I looked at all the trailers I could find of any and all Clint Eastwood spaghetti westerns, and um, the, uh, Sam Raimi's The Quick and the Dead was one that I remember seeing in the theater. I mean, you know, it's like 16-something years ago, but I remember it being very hip and a lot of very visual and cool angles and, you know, fast-cutting and quick, and, and I thought, well, that would be a cool reference because, you know, I like that and that would be very supernatural in style. So that was the only thing I really... Um, kept watching over and over on YouTube, and then what's nice is on my iPad, if I found something that I li- an image that I liked, I would just pause it, and then you know you, there's there's a feature that is on the iPad or the iPhone where you can actually take a still of the you know screen grab of your screen, and so I had and they go right to iPhoto, so I had like you know 20 something images of guns and holsters and clocks and, and a bunch of just real quick images, real grainy, but the idea was to be able to show it to to Jerry or Serge or, or anybody and say, yeah, this is kind of the feel that, you know, is in my head and hopefully we can achieve something like that. Um, but that was it. And then it was just, we immediately got in a van and went out to border towns, which is, you know, Maple Ridge. It's about an hour and 15 minute, hour and a half drive from downtown Vancouver or Burnaby where, you know, where the stages are. Um, so it's, it's a good hike, but, uh, but it was nice. And then we shot out there for four days and I ended up nice because they they put me and the boys in hotels out there so we didn't have to and surge of course we didn't have to travel back and forth every day um you know at the end of the day i just had to go up to the main main drag and go to this little hotel and it's nice we had we found a nice sushi place and we found a uh, liquor a government liquor store and we were happy (laughs) (laughs) sounds good yeah um uh, i i love the quick and the dead that's a great movie and when i was watching the episode there's there's a, a a shot of the clock ticking towards noon, and I know high noon, of course, is a very classic Western thing. But it made me right. think of the Quick and the Dead when it's very obvious when the clock is shown and it's clicking ominously towards twelve, and it makes the extra click. That is the hint that it's about to be noon, and the and they have to right. shoot out when it's right twelve. Did, was that a little bit of Quick and the Dead? Is in yeah for. Well, I wanted to. I mean, you know, you you have all the all the ambition in the world and all the you know ideas in the world, and and uh, you know, and everybody there to help you get get that whatever's in your head. I mean, everybody. Mm-hmm. I have such a great time with that crew that everybody's really patient with me, and and you know, it, it, you can't work with a better you know camera, electric grip. Uh, you know, every department's props, hair, makeup, wardrobe. Everybody's just on their game, brilliant, all fun to work with. There's not a stinker in the bunch, and and. Um, 
So everyone's there to help me get whatever I want. The problem is I, the one person that's never, or the one thing that's never going to cooperate is the clock. It's always, and I don't mean like a literal clock. I mean, we only have a certain amount of hours to shoot. And, you know, you can't, you know, you can't do a lot of overtime. You you have to really budget your time. And so, you know, I had all these ambitious ideas of like zooming into the clock and zooming in and dollying back that kind of that classic, you know, where the background changes, but the person stays the same size and frame, the old Hitchcock trick they used in Jaws and, and, you know, ultra close-ups of triggers, you know, fingers on triggers and the end of the barrel and, you know, eyes and just twitching and little things like that. And it's like at a certain point you go, you know, I'd love to have it, but I can live without it. I don't want to live without it, but, you know, I, I guess I'm going to have to because now I'm looking at the at the clock and I, I we still have three more scenes to do today and it could rain at any moment. Or So you have all this ambition to, you know, to get all these images. So, you know, there was a few I fought for that, you know, a couple little like one of the iconic things from the 70s and the spaghetti westerns were those the zooms that were clearly done with without a motor where where somebody's hand is on the zoom lens so it doesn't necessarily track in nice and smooth so i tried to do a couple of those on the clock I, you know some got left in some we cut out you know that's the other thing is you get in the editing room and you got to you got to let go of it and you know let go of your ego and go you know what i i wish that would have worked but it didn't and uh there was another another idea i had that um in fact, you know, we cut it out so you'll never see it, but um, it's when after uh, the confrontation between Misha and um, and Sonia, Rachel and, and Cass, when he shows up in Bobby's kitchen and he does the, you know, the blood on the, on the uh, refrigerator, well, I originally had it where we dolly around and we see Bobby, you know, work, you know, looking through the books and doing his thing, and in the background, out of focus, you see... Misha literally fall from the ceiling, right, right through the the ceiling into the middle of the kitchen. So, you know, we do it with a dummy, with an articulated dummy. We dress him to look just like Cass, and, you know, I did like four takes, and every time the dummy landed funny, landed on its head, one of its legs was, it just didn't work. So it was better to do it as a sound effect. Um, equally as, as effective, but, you know, again, you got to kind of go, okay, it didn't work. You know, when I look at my editor and the editor looks over his shoulder at me like, that looks stupid, you got to go, okay, yeah, you're right, it looks stupid. So um, anyway, that was a little off course. But, um, but yeah, so Quick and the Dead, I mean, you know, Sam Raimi's one of those guys that's just incredibly visual. And, and uh, you know, somebody's just reminding me that I should rewatch Dark Man, which I guess was something I saw originally. And it didn't really blow me away, but it's I guess it, it it's very underrated as far as how cool it is and, how ahead of its time it was for like you know all these uh, comic book and superhero movies that are coming out. Mhm. Anyway, that's that. <laughs> can Can you tell us what was like the hardest? You know, what was your biggest challenge with, for shooting this episode? Uh, you know, probably we did. You know, the the um, when uh, Finch eventually catches up with the sheriff. And uh, the sheriff tries to shoot him, and of course, you know, the bullets just bounce right off him, or actually go into him, but don't have any effect. Um, and he reaches up, and uh, you know, he grabs he grabs the sheriff, and and, and basically turns him into into ashes. Well, you know, it was scripted originally. That was scripted where the sheriff is riding out of town, and his horse rears up and and throws him. And we were sort of prepared to do that, and then we got a rewrite to save us some time and and uh, you know a stunt. We decided, well, he's just going to be you know, running to his horse to get the hell out of town, literally out of Dodge with his his um, saddlebag. 
And so then when he shows up at his horse, he throws the saddlebag over the horse, and he unties the horse, and before he can get on, the horse rears up out of nowhere and just runs off. So we met with our uh, wrangler. He said, oh, yeah, that's an easy one to do. And, of course, thank God the boys, we had already let the boys go home for the night. It was our last scene, I think, the day four on a Friday night, and it was Dean and Matthew, Dean Ray, who played our sheriff. Um, and it started really poor, and it got really muddy. And there was only so many times that horse was going to do the trick, which was, you know, because, you know, you can't, you can't have a horse do the same gag over and over because at a certain point they they, ca- they catch on. They're like, well, I'm not going to do that anymore. Every time you do that special whistle, I run over there. And so that was a real challenge to get the horse to rear up and, and kick his legs and run out of frame convincingly. And, you know, Dean was great with the horse. He wasn't too scared of it. But then thank God because, you know, you're asking a, an actor, not a not a trained horse wrangler to get that close to a horse that's going to buck up and, you know, they're very unpredictable animals that 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 weigh 1,200 pounds, and so that was tough. And it was like, oh shit, here we are, Friday night, pouring rain, muddy. I'm at the mercy of this this horse, you know. And the trainer, the, the guys are perfectly capable, and and you know, as long as I get it halfway decent, then we'll get into the meat of the scene. And then, of course, the meat of the scene is visual effects which is Ivan's thing, which is, you know, when when he puts his hand on his neck, the guy turns to ash. Special effects, which are, you know, a real live gun shooting off, you know, it's blanks, but still you got to be safe. And then squibs on Matthew. So, you know, we have to wire all that up. So you got a, I had a whole special effects department, a whole visual effects department, a whole horse wrangling department, pouring rain, mud. So that was, that was the toughest thing. And, you know, of course it's a quick little scene, but you, you can't just fake your way through it. You can't just, uh, you know, just you know, I always say there's no there's no such thing as an unimportant scene. I mean, you know, it all lays pipe and all t- you know is is there for a reason to tell your story, especially in TV. You know, you have 42 mm-hmm. what 43 minutes to tell a story, and you know, it's every every uh, every frame should be important. So anyway, so that was definitely the most challenging of the whole show. Ironically enough, it didn't it didn't um, contain any of our regular cast members, <laughs> which is saying something about how good they are. I mean, they make my life miserable in other ways, but that's but that's a fun way. <laughs> Speaking of horses, how how was it to have uh, uh, Jared Jared on a horse? And that was that's kind of a funny scene when when Dean looks at Sam riding off and says, "That poor horse." That poor horse. Yeah, that was great. That was that was. I knew that was going to be one of the the lines that was going to be quoted a lot. There's a couple of them, um, you know, the posse line. There's a couple of them that I think people are going to quote for a while, but. It was great. I mean, you know, Jared's comfortable with horses, and the whole idea was to pretend like he wasn't. So is so is uh, uh, Jensen, for that matter. Every day at lunch, Jensen had the Wranglers uh, take him out on these trails and and border towns. So he'd eat really quick, if at all, and just go out on the horses. It was, it was a lot of fun to watch him. I mean, the the trick was we wanted to look we wanted Jared to look as as awkward as possible and as big as possible. So they got us like sort of a medium sized horse. But you can't do a pony that just the proportions are wrong. So we knew if we did a pony, it was going to be a little too Benny Hill. So it's like, well, let's get a, just a small, adult, normal horse. And then the the idea was, okay, if we pull the stirrups way up, then it'll look like he's riding on a tricycle, like his knees will be way up. And then, so we tried that, I think, and then we realized if we put the stirrups, like the stirrups are too, you know, put them all the way to their their 
all the ways that they'll go down, it'll make Jared's legs look even longer. So in other words, like a normal posture, you're, there's a little bit of a, of a bend in your leg when you ride a horse. You set the stirrups so you can, you know, if you need to, you can stand up on the, on the stirrups. So by putting the stirrups all the way to the extent that they can go, it made his legs look even longer than they really are, which as you know, they're, you know, he, I always say he's six foot 13. Um, <laughs> it, so that, that ended up being the, the ticket that was like, well, that's going to make him look the biggest and the horse, the smallest, mm-hmm. um, without it, you know, again, you don't want to get two, three stooges, Benny Hill, though. I love those, those kind of comedy things, you know, it's a fine line because you always have to, at least I always have to remind myself, Hey, I'm still doing a one hour drama here. Mm-hmm. So the comedy can't be too slapsticky or too, you know, wink at the camera, and I think that this show is so good at balancing that, um, and the guys are, you know, so good at, at whatever lines are are, are thrown at them. Um, mm-hmm. You know, the, the you know, I, I can only really go off of the you know the few scripts that I've had, the three, but I certainly know that um, when the writers write for the guys, they're, they're pretty right on. I mean, they 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 kind of write for what their their strengths are in their delivery. So. Um, yeah, I mean it was fun. It was fun working with the horses, and we, you know, we had them around all the time because we always wanted to have one in the background anytime we're out at Border Town. So they worked out well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was a great thing. Yeah, it was a fun one to shoot. You know, we kind of shot that a little quick too. I mean, uh, it was all handheld. We didn't get too ambitious. I didn't have a lot of room to uh, to roam around because of the way the lighting was. I mean, anytime you move one of those lights, it was so muddy, and it really is pretty. Um, wild terrain out there so i had to be very specific about okay let's shoot this way and this way and that's it so i couldn't you know look at serge and go hey can we look this way because we already talked about that two hours ago when they placed those lights so i had to be very simple in that blocking and and that was sort of the way we did if you look at it again it's almost all of it is like towards that blacksmith area We, we we didn't get too far off Access from that, and then of course we did a complete 180 as as he rides away after he you know Jen slaps the horse on the butt. Um, but uh, that was it. Pretty simple. Can you tell us about that beautiful cemetery scene? We talked about it a little bit before the podcast started, and I actually took notes when I was watching earlier, and I actually one of the notes I had was cemetery scene looks awesome. How much was real, and how much was special effects? Uh, you know, it was one of those things where, you know, it was the last scene of the night, one of the nights. I think we started on a Tuesday, so we knew we were going to be there Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. You know, you got a mix of day and night scenes, so that was one of the last scenes, probably either on Wednesday or Thursday night. And I remember right around that time was when they announced, the CW announced that they were they were pushing um, the the new episode of Supernatural Week. And, like, Twitter just blew up, and, like, you know, Cliff and I were looking at each other like, whoa, whoa, geez, you know, uh, this is not a good thing. Well, I remember telling the boys, I was going, you know, they push your episode. And then, of course, you know, the controversy about the about Smallville and all that. So, anyway, that's unrelated mm-hmm. to this. But, um, so, we, we, you know, we blocked that scene out. We kind of knew the, the the parameters of, you know, we, we wanted that, that background, you know, Serge lit up the town in the background beautifully. We had our lights placed so if we did get rain, because that was the one scene, we said would look really great in the rain. You know, the guys have hats on, so it could it could play great. You know, where they go out there and you see kind of the you know the that kind of Ridley Scott you know nasty rain coming down. 
course, it didn't rain, but it was just very, it was very atmospheric. And then while we were while we were in the middle of you know kind of blocking it all out, these great um, the fog rolled in, so it almost looked surreal at some points. When we looked towards the town, it, it almost it, it, it felt like we were shooting the guy, almost like they had been composited up against a green screen, like we shot them against a green screen, and that background was like a, a painting or a photog- you know, a piece of photography. It was that you know, kind of interesting. Like you kind of lost sense of the depth, and the idea was that this was late at night, quiet on the outskirts of town, so we couldn't have a lot of you know people in the background walking around or horses, so we wanted to keep it nice and quiet in the back. Um, and it worked out great. I mean, you know, that little cemetery Jerry and his guys put together, and, and you know, it's just gorgeous. I mean, it's it's simple. It's all it needs to be. Um, got enough great stuff to dolly through, and, um, you know, there's, uh, I think we sold the idea. Those those lanterns were, um, I believe those are battery. I know we had a mix of real real flame, like real, like the Coleman-style lanterns from the period, and then there was a few that were modified um, that, you know, uh, Serge's gaffer, Chris Cochran, was was playing around with um, that were that either have a battery in the base or I think they even run like a cable down the guy's arms and they can wear a battery pack in their back pocket. Something like that. I know that we've done that before with flashlights on, on, uh, on other shows where, you know, you need this flashlight to last all day long, um, so... You know, and, and it's a special, stronger light flashlight than a normal flashlight. Mm-hmm. And I think that's... Security, I'm sorry, Darren. Yep. It looks like we do might yep. have a caller. Um, yep. I might want to check on that real quick. Yep. Hello. Hello. Go ahead, caller. Thanks Hello. for calling in. I have in a very important question for... Can you hear me? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. I have a very important question for uh, the director... I'm yeah. just wondering if he if he found me a set of valve covers and a steering wheel yet. Oh no, <laughs> I'm on it. I'm working on it. <laughs> it's Good Friday. <laughs> <laughs> if as for those of you who don't know the inside joke, this is bodyguard for J and J Cliff Kosterman on the phone. <laughs> How are you, buddy? I'm good. How are you? I just I just finished watching the episode on tape. It was great. Loved it. It was awesome. It's so fun, I just, huh? I'm just just calling to bug you for a minute. And that was about it. Oh, that's great. I'm glad you did. Well, I, I, uh, I, I owe you. Uh, um, well, I'm gonna, I'm working on. I'm working. These are some Mopar parts we're working on getting. Um, I guess that are that uh, you can't find up north. I guess so. We'll uh, we'll see if we can get them here for you. Nothing good up north. So, but all right, you guys, you guys tune in. Hello, hello, Becky, and all the rest of you there. Hi, hey, Chris. Clarity. How are you? Hi there. All right, well, you, guys, Cliff, you guys carry on. Well, Cliff, hopefully I'll see you, uh, you know, July or August or something like that, right? I'm waiting for you. I'm waiting for you. Okay, well, that's the that's the plan anyway. That's the in, in the perfect uh, world. Season seven will be announced here any day, and we'll uh, we'll we'll make some plans yeah. for the future. All right. <laughs> you got it, my friend. All right, I'll talk, talk to you soon. All right, Cliff. See you. Bye. Bye, Cliff. Bye. <laughs> there you go. There's your special guest. Yeah. Yeah, Cliff and I have become like uh, uh, soul brothers with uh, our, our our mutual love of Mopar and 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 uh, Dodge muscle cars. So uh, yeah, so we talk uh, and text each other all the time, looking for parts and stuff. And so uh, yeah, you see, he's a great guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
we we honestly we we had a little clue he might call in, so we would know to let him on. Cause oh, that's cool. <laughs> yeah, he's the best. He's the, he's he's great. We have a good time up there. <laughs> cool. Uh, I had a. I uh, was wondering um, for the DVDs. Did they do anything special? Like so many like little featurettes or anything that might be used on the DVDs or anything. You know, I don't know. I don't remember anybody running around with a camera other than, um, you know, still camera. But you never know. I mean, um, I've been asked to do – I was never – I've never been available to do it, but, like, on some special episodes, I, you know, like Criminal Minds and um, I think at Jericho, they call me to, you know, to come in and do the commentary. And, uh, you know, like the few times I've been asked to do it, I just – I wasn't in town to do it, but – uh you know, they may they may do something like that with this episode because it was so you know sort of intensive as far as uh, you know out of the comfort zone of certain certainly Diane the wardrobe um, department did a, they did an amazing job I, you know I always tell this story that you know first of all you're dealing with period costumes and you know a lot of background artists and a lot of guest stars so all that stuff we had to have all those people come in and and be fitted for wardrobe normally background artists will just come in there in their own clothes because it's a crowd scene or whatever. And sometimes there's, you know, some, some, you know, wardrobe adjustments that are made on the day, but all these clothes kind of had to be custom made because what you typically a, uh, uh, the, the costume department has at least two or three of the hero wardrobe in case something gets ripped, something gets spilled on or whatever. Um, so they had the, the, you know, any of the background and, and uh, you know, Samuel Colt, um, Finch, you know, all our, our deputy, our sheriff, our judge, um, our saloon girls, those all had to be custom fit. So we had to bring all those people in early. So we cast them basically off of 8 by 10s <clears throat> uh, Our background, I mean, obviously our, our actors, Gordon and Dean and Scott and April, they, you know, they, they came in and, you know, they went through the typical casting session. I mean, the, these are all like really good, talented local uh, Vancouver actors who were who just so delivered for me. I mean, they were they were beyond above and beyond good um, in those parts, and, and I can't thank them enough. Well, you saw it tonight, so they're they're all really good. So, uh, it, you know, Diane's department had to get the get the wardrobe, and if they couldn't buy them, they had to custom make some stuff. And you got to make everything in triplet or or you know four of them. Um, I know uh, Jensen had a uh, stunt double who went through the window for him, so we had to have wardrobe for him. And all that stuff, once you decide on, okay, this is what we're going with, this is going to be the wardrobe, then you have to take it and have it aged. So there was a full-time group of people with sandpaper and, uh, you know, they call it streaks and tips. It's it's like a... um, like a hairspray that they spray on and it, and it dries and then you know you you got to make it look old. So they they went so far above and beyond what they normally do. So that would definitely be you know something uh, one of the, just one of the aspects of this particular episode that that they probably would um, would want to talk about in a in a DVD thing. So hopefully that would happen. I mean you know it'd be great to to hear some more behind the scenes from the, all the departments. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And of course, bloopers. Hopefully, we had some really great ones. So hopefully that. Oh, that, cool. <laughs> you know, I don't know what they pulled off, and because um, when I get in there to cut, there's no real, no really no for me. There's no time, and a lot of times the assistant editors, when they watch the dailies while we're shooting, 
they'll kind of pull stuff off to the side. So I don't know. That's completely out of my jurisdiction. Mm-hmm. There's a there's a little moment with the whole um, posse jokes in doing the scene kind of goes on and on, and Sam looks long suffering at Dean, and there's a point right. where. Jensen puts his head down with the cowboy because he's like, you know, Sam's had enough. But he, yeah. then he puts his head back up and he's got quite a smile on his face. Was that planned or was that? Yeah, you know, I don't know. I mean, I, we always. It was great. You can do, it was really you can do it with fun. these guys that, like, well, you know, you kind of get it like it's scripted. And then I'll whisper something quick into, into Jensen's ear or Jared's ear or whoever. And, and we'll tr- so we'll try stuff take to take. Because once I feel like I got what I need, you know, we're doing t- good on time. Now it's time to play and to have like an alternate take because you know for me, it doesn't make any sense to have four takes that are identical. So if you're going to have four takes, you might as well make them a little slightly different. And so that might have been something that, you know, where I, I you know all I had to do was you know, whisper to him, enjoy it more. You know, as, mm-hmm. as much as 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 Sam's in pain with these bad posse jokes. I mean, really, Dean, this is this is this is funny to you. Um, mm-hmm. As much as he uh, hates it. You enjoy it, and so and then and, and maybe at the same time I'll walk up and whisper whisper to Jared something about uh um you really you, this is not funny at all, so that way now now you got something on camera that that is different than maybe take one or take two, and the, you know all good they're just different levels, you know just, so you have so you have some places to go in the editing room, so I'm I'm not sure I'm not sure exactly what take we used, um, but I remember you know reading. I mean, did they did they use the line, um, you know me, I'm a posse magnet. Yep. And yeah. He, yeah, and then he says, "I'm going to put that on a T-shirt." Yep. Yeah. Well, that, well, that was one of those things. He also he said he was a posse magnet and said, "You know me, I like posse." Yeah. Mhm. And then and then did he? I think he has the line, um, "I'm going to put that on a T-shirt." Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, you know, there's a there's a, a chain in in Vancouver. There's these stores called Bang On, and they do like. Um, they do iron-ons and silk screening, and and you know they and and they'll put letters on the old iron-on letters. So one of the weekends, I thought, how cool would that when we shoot that scene? Because I'm a method director, you know, I have my Ghostbusters shirt. How cool would it be to wear a shirt that says um, whatever the I can't remember what he, what he says, but um, what he, the thing he says that he's going to put on on a T-shirt. I'm a posse magnet. Mm-hmm. And I thought, well, that'd be fun. I'll go in there to bang on, and you know they'll make it for me in like ten minutes. It'll be like you know. Couple, you know, fifteen, twenty bucks or whatever, and then I walk. I start to walk in there, and I go, "Wait a second, they're going to think I'm the biggest weirdo in the world." They're going to tell all the friends. Did we tell you about the jerk that came in here and wanted to want us to put posse magnet on a T-shirt. So I, I decided against it. But uh, yeah, so um, yeah, there's a couple cool um, little things. The other one was that I was going to do, and, uh, and they might have cut this out, but um, when um, when Jensen goes to um, the uh, the the deputy Dusty, and he says, um, "I'm using you as bait because we can't." You know, he says something about we got to gank him. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think we cut it out, but there was one, you know, it was a reaction. He goes, "Gank!" You know, Gordon's the actor. Gordon goes, "Gank!" So I was gonna, I was just gonna get a T-shirt that said "Gank" with a with a big exclamation point, and that didn't make any sense. So anyway, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, there's gank. Yeah, he goes, "Gank!" Gank, yeah. So, so that was another one. I thought, well, that's a that's a good good quotable word for uh, that's that's in the uh, supernatural uh, lexicon. But I don't know. I, I I guess I just my zeal to get a t-shirt made. I guess went away or something. I don't know. 
you know, if the writers put in the Deadwood reference for Jim Beaver, or you know, did he? You know, yeah, there was there was also there was also a reference um, at the beginning when he talks about Star Trek Four. You, mm-hmm. you know, and like like uh, Dean's looking at those guys, like you know, Star Trek Four, you know, Save the Whales. And uh, what Jim had? What was Jim's line? Um, he watches Deep Space Nine. Yeah, I was more of a Deep Space Nine guy. Well, and that was a, a shout out to him as well because I believe his wife worked on that show. Yeah, I believe so. Yeah. So, yeah, so that was that was another little inside. Um, you know, uh, yeah. There's a, there's a, a bunch of little nuggets, and then somebody tweeted me about the a Hangover line from the movie The Hangover, where he says, "I'm a one. You know, I was a one man wolf pack." And I didn't even oh. catch it. At, I didn't even catch it at the time. But yeah, I guess that's a little shout out to the Hangover. So there you go. There's 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 nuggets in there, little Easter eggs that I didn't even know about. Mm-hmm. You know, um, the first thing I thought of at the end when the delivery guy brings the package to Sam from Samuel Colt was mm-hmm. that was so much out of Back to the Future. Was it directly? Was it referencing that or? You know, it, it might have. You know. Um, I talked to somebody about this, and 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 uh, I said, yeah. Aside from, oh God, there was one ref, one Back to the Future reference that I knew of, because I guess I it's just been so long since I part I saw Part Three that I didn't even think about it. Um, and I said, yeah, I don't think there's any Back to the Future references. And then she saw a screener of it like on Monday, and she uh, she was like, there's tons of them in there. And she said, the the delivery guy at the end, the poncho, the serape, and so I so you know I guess Andrew and Daniel. Obviously knew or were were more familiar with part three than me, but you know again, it's one of those things where it'd be if i did if I knew about it, would I tr- have treated any of the scenes any differently? Probably not I mean um you know again, it's just kind of a wink and a and a and a shout out to you know sort of all our influences and and but you don't want to make too big big a deal of it mm-hmm. um, but yeah, so yeah and, and the interesting thing about that um delivery guy is if you look he's coming he's um he works for Western Express, I think it is Western, yep. and so he has this great, you know, like decal on his shirt and on his hat. And if you go back at the very beginning, when when you you, you see the old old West Town, um, mm-hmm. even even when like you see people looking out of the out of the curtains, and then you know they they duck back into the places. One of the places that the, the one of the old guys ducks back into is the same exact company, but with like an older mm-hmm. logo. Yep. So the idea is like you know because some of those logos you see that way, the way they've Kind of uh, evolved over 100 and something, 150 years. So that was the idea: is that it's the it's the, the inside joke is that it's the same company, sort of the UPS or FedEx from those days, uh, or you know, I, I or well, Wells Fargo really. Oh, great. And that was you know that's a Jerry you know art department kind of thing and little you know inside thing that you know a few of us catch and 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 uh, and then you know some to talk about in the DVD supplemental material. Mm-hmm. That's great. <laughs> now, when you're filming it and when you get the script or anything, does it mention anything about, like, the music that they'll use? Because there were, like, a few cues that was really cool, like when Dean was introducing himself as Marshall Clint Eastwood with Walker, Texas Ranger. There's, like, a little bit of music that sounds like the, the Bad and the Ugly. Um, yeah. You know. Well, I think not necessarily, no. I mean, that's something that the editor does. Um once we got in there, he had found a bunch of temp stuff that he had pulled off to the side from cowboy movies or, or um, God, I can't remember. It was one reference, one artist in particular that he found some great stuff, the great guitar strumming. 
and then it was you know like and I wanted like one of those great um screeches from a hawk or you know whatever falcon um mm-hmm. and then and then um and we also wanted to keep hitting over the head the the sound of the spurs um but as far as music um I don't know what they've done with it I'm sure whatever we used the composer kind of did his version of it because you know if if you have a composer that's writing music for the show you you would just have him do a version you just in 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 my temp cut that the editor you know turns over or I turn over to the editor and, or you know to the producers you're just kind of giving them an idea of where you think it should go and what style of music um it's really rare that you you know you'll stick with with a song that you do unless it's called out for in the script and in that in that case they've already kind of gotten the rights to it cuz you know I mean Supernatural's so great for playing like the absolute best classic rock I mean, I don't have to tell you guys. Um, so, yeah, I was hoping, you know, you, 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 there was no real place to put, like, a great, like, I, I was hoping for Shoot to Thrill or back in, you know, like, ACDC or back in the saddle, um, Aerosmith. But there really wasn't a place in there that I could find to really utilize it the right way. And if you're going to pay for a song like that, it's pricey, so you want to ma- utilize it um, the best you can. But, yeah, I mean, there's a, there was a couple of things. I don't know if it was the, the guitar strum became, like, a motif. Mm-hmm. Um, not quite sure. I'll, I'll, you know, I'll see you at nine o'clock. I guess. <laughs> yeah, no, we definitely heard, you know, the classic western, you know, a uh, uh, bird, uh, the eagle, or, or yeah, the uh, falcon. Screech, yeah, you got, you got it, you got to do that. Bird, yeah. everything. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was great. You got, um, uh, how was it to have the the iconic supernatural character Samuel Holt in the episode? And Sam Hennings did an amazing job. He yeah. had some big big boots to fill and I thought yeah. he was fantastic. Well, it's funny, um they I didn't really know the the gravity of the the whole cult thing and then it, and once I got there, you know, my my AD, I've had the same AD for all three Kevin Parks who's just they call him Parksopedia because he can ref he if there's ever put it this way, Sarah calls him and says, "Kevin, have we ever done this with this?" and he goes, "Nope. Episode 3, season 2." We did that, and and or we tried to, and it didn't work. Or you know, you didn't do it then. Or, in other words, he's like a walking encyclopedia of all things supernatural. And thank God. Um, so he kind of pulled out a couple um, episodes for me to watch because there's a whole library of everything that they, you know, every episode. So I think he brought out, he took out all hell breaks loose. I, don't know if, I guess it was it was the one where you see. Well, you guys know more than me. And there was a couple where anything that we referenced the cult. Um, I watched all those episodes. We also got those episodes to Sam Henning, so when he got to Vancouver, he was able to watch us in his hotel. But Sam and I go way back. I did a movie with him in 1994 called Drop Zone, and um, we were in Miami together, and I, we just hit it off. And one of the reasons we hit it off is his brother, David Hennings, is a uh, director of photography, a cameraman. And so David and I used to work together on music videos like late 80s, early 90s, we and we did a ton of music videos together. So when I met Sam in 94, he goes, hey, you're a friend of my brother David's. And so we hit it off. And so through the years, you know, Sam's auditioned for me, and I've just always been a big fan of his work. And, you know, he's a uh, regular on the, sh- the TNT show Memphis Beat. If you get a chance, um, him and Jason Lee are sort of the main detectives. He's just brilliant. They're shooting that in New Orleans right now. And uh got my fingers crossed that maybe I can get to do one of those because he's certainly pushing for me. Mm-hmm. But um, you know, I'm all, I, I get to Vancouver. I guess I got there on a Friday, or I, fought, I probably flew up on a Thursday night. My first day of prep was a Friday. It just worked out that way. And so, um, you know, once I read it, I I, uh, uh, I 
contacted a couple friends of mine that I thought would be good for um, Finch. Um, I had never met Matthew Armstrong before, but but Bob Singer and uh, Jim Michaels had worked with him on a show in Chicago years ago, like one of his first things. Of course, here it is. It's all history because, I mean, Matt, Matt did such a great job. He was like the perfect guy to play Finch, and thank God it worked out that way. But what they did is they had a casting session on a Saturday, of all things. So on a Friday night, I get an email from Sam, and he goes, uh, he goes, hey, man, uh, or, you know, I called He He emailed me, and I called him. He goes, hey, man, look, uh, they got me going in tomorrow on a Saturday to audition for this thing. Look, if you want me, man, I mean, I'd rather not go. And I, go I go, I'm in Vancouver. I'm not going to be there. So go in and just kill it. Audition your ass off. I know you will. And, and um, you know, he was he was somebody that I thought about early on. Wasn't quite sure if he was what they were looking for because you know everybody has this idea of what Samuel Colt should look like. I mean, right then there's pictures of the real guy. So um, Sam was certainly somebody I thought of, and then um, so he went uh, in an audition with about like four or five other guys that were equally good. Plus, we did a whole session um, up in Vancouver. Um, me and Jim Michaels did a session for for Colts for Finches um, because you, you know you never know. Um, and, uh, you know, so I saw his audition online. You know, there's a, a website that I go to, I log on, and he was the best. And I just kept rallying and, you know, just kept letting Bob and Sarah and everybody know and Jim, oh, yeah, Sam's the best. Sam's my, Sam's my guy, you know. So, and, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a committee decision on, on casting, especially big parts. So I hope for the best. And, you know, thank God it all worked out like it did because, you know, he, he uh, sent me a text. He goes, hey, just got an offer. My agent just called me. We got an offer to do the show. I said, great. So he flew up, and um, we didn't even use him until like day seven. So I think he flew in on that on that Monday. Would have, would have been like day five, our first day on stage. He came by for a wardrobe fitting, said hi to everybody, and then um, we just had him for that half a day. We don't, he was only in those two scenes, but it's good. I mean, it's like you know, it you get to know him, but you don't get too much of him. So again, hopefully, if there's a season seven, why can't? Uh, Samuel Colt travel forward in time or whatever, you know, maybe they go back and see him again. I mean, you know, the mind goes crazy thinking about all the cool things he could do with Sam Henning. So, um, yeah. he's excited. He, he's had a, uh, he's in new Orleans. So he went to, he's had a basketball game tonight. We texted back and forth. He said, but he's got it DVR and he's excited and he's very excited mm-hmm. that the fans like what they saw so far. So, uh, Absolutely. So hopefully, we'll, hopefully we'll see some more Sam, Sam Colt and Sam Hennings. <laughs> Yeah, he was amazing. Yeah, he's just, he's just solid. When you, when you were when you did our podcast earlier for um, Family Matters, you mentioned how you were kind of disappointed that you didn't get to work with Misha very much with that episode. Uh huh. Yeah. Got, you got to work with him a bit more in this one. So how how did you like getting to work with him some more? Yeah, he's great. I mean, uh, I don't know how he puts up with those guys. They they just you know <laughs> him and Jim. They those those you know J and J just give these guys, both those guys no end of shit, and it's it's a blast. I mean, it's absolutely a blast. I mean, it drives it drives you a little crazy because you're trying to get work done. But you know, like we've if you spent that many hours doing what those guys do daily for nine months, you know, you got to blow off steam and. You know, obviously, I I make them comfortable enough where they feel like they can do it, and I'm not, you know, I don't get upset. I mean, it's and plus I'm in tears laughing at some of the stuff. Um, but of course, you know, Misha and Jim throw it right back at them because they can and they will, and so it becomes a lot of fun. But yeah, you know, I think Misha's great, um, as solid as they come. I mean, he came in on his day off to um, choreograph, you know, the 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 fight scene with Rachel, 
So it was great. It worked out really good because we cast Sonia, who's a local Vancouver actor. That worked out really good. Um, and she was so excited to be part of it. Um, so she came in, Misha came in, Lou Bolo, and they were off to the side. And so we would shoot something, and then they'd go, guy, they need you over there. So I'd run over, and we'd talk about, you know, the fight scene. So Lou had some stuff laid out, and then, you know, you eliminate this, and you add one more of these, and one more kick, and one more, uh, and, you know. So you come up with something that works good we all agree on that doesn't go on too long and that's not too short and then they rehearse and rehearse and rehearse and so uh he did a great job because when we ended up shooting that scene which was probably the beginning of day six or seven on location that was the only other location we had other than border town was that cool warehouse which i believe in another area of that warehouse they shot a scene from changing channels i think that was the rumor that i heard mm-hmm. um when you know when when him and rachel have the confrontation um, it went so smooth because those guys had rehearsed it. And, um, yeah, I, I think the world of Misha, he's, he's dynamite, really a lot of fun to work with. And, you know, he's basically the third Winchester brother as far as I'm I mean, not technically, but, you know, he's like, it's like Jensen and Jared say, he's the he's the third brother, but he's got the best schedule because uh, <laughs> he doesn't work every day. <laughs> but he also has a brand-new baby, so that's a good thing. That is. His, his part of the episode tonight it was actually just like a little another piece of the season arc because, you know, where has Castiel been, the war in heaven's going on, and you get, like, it's still a, most of it's a mystery, but you get yeah. like a tiny more glimpse. Did you did, did you get any information on that and say this is kind of important our overall thing? Did you get like a tiny look ahead so you kind of would know where you yeah. were going with directing that? Yeah, well, I think I think he knows what, I mean, obviously he really knows now, what the last four episodes hold for him and what, you know, what, you know, cause the whole idea was like, why is this racial person upset with him? And why does she eventually, you know, pull this knife on and want to, you know, why is it, why has it come to this? Now you guys are going to see Rachel again in flashback. So it'll all become very clear, but yeah, Misha knew and, you know, they had to kind of tell me what, what the future was. Um, you know, and I think that it was interesting that they flip flopped, um, my heart will go on in this one because the idea of the sa- of of another extra five thousand souls, I think, was an important story point. So that's what leads me to believe that that it was always intended to air before Frontierland. Um, and also, I think the coincidence. I don't think it, I don't think it was a complete coincidence that April fifteenth, nineteen twelve, is when the Titanic sank. And you know, so ninety nine years to the day. So there, but there is, you know, you, you you get a whole different glimpse of Misha. I'm sure these. I don't know. I haven't read, and I don't know anything about the last four episodes, other than sort of where where it's going. And 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 sort of the nebulous nature of his relationship with this with this Rachel, per, you know, Angel. Um, it'll all, you know, you guys will all be paid off. I'm sure on the last on episode 22. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, it's, it was great. He's he's good. He's 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 you know as you know if you've ever met him or seen him in in person, he's 180 degrees not Cass. He's mm-hmm. he's very goofy and a lot of fun and uh, and uh, he really for me he's very easy to work with. Mm-hmm. And his voice is higher. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and you know I was excited because um, to tour with Jim Beaver because I didn't have him at all in um, Family Matters. And I had met him through the years, most recently on Harper's Island, but he wasn't—he didn't um, have any um, 
scenes in my particular episode of Harper's Island. He was in episode three. I came up to do episode four. And I had so many friends in common with him that I went down to lunch one day, and um, I introduced myself, and he said, hey, sit down. So we sat and had lunch with you know a bunch of the cast members and told some great war stories. And um, So it was just, you know, when, when I did show up to do... Um, uh, uh, Frontierland, my first day there that Friday night, the guys were shooting at um, the fish packing it was like right around when everyone was sick, like Jim was tweeting that, you know, everybody's sick, Serge has 102 mm-hmm. temperature you know, we all feel like shit, so I go, of course I'm going to go down and say hi to everybody so, you know, around you know 10 o'clock at night I went down there, and so of course I, I run into Jim, and he's like, oh man I'm so excited, except for spent three years on Deadwood never got on a horse and now they t- he hadn't read the script yet. He goes, and now they tell me that we do a Western episode, and I never go to the Old West. I go, <laughs> I go, believe me, Jim, nobody's more upset than me because you're you're perfect for that. So he was he, he we were excited to work together because I'm I'm just a big fan. I mean he's he's as solid as they get, and just you know I'm, you know in the lexicon of the show he's uh, you know it doesn't get any more fun than Uncle Bobby. Mm-hmm. So um so uh, yeah, it was good that I finally got to work with Jim because I'm a big fan and. Uh, and now, you know, I, I got that scratched off my bucket list. What was your personal highlight for directing Frontierland? Uh, God, I don't know. I mean, I just think, uh, you know, two things. And this and this is, this is good because this is politically correct. The Jared and Sam Henning scene where he gives him the gun, it was so effortless. I mean, I kept it real simple as far as blocking. In fact, the editor said I was really worried because there's only, you know, we call it coverage. Every time you put the camera in a different angle, he said I only had three pieces of coverage for like a four-and-a-half, five-page scene. He was, I was really nervous. It's like, well, God, i got no place to go. He goes, then I started looking at the dailies, and it cut together great, and you don't need any more than that. And, of course, in the back of my head, I'm going, oh, God, I'm glad you said that because I was nervous that he could, you know, felt like he couldn't cut the scene together. But kept it real simple. I mean, you know, sometimes, I probably said this before, sometimes the best directing is no directing or just getting the hell out of the way of the actors and letting letting them do what they do and not making it about, look how cool this camera move is and look at this great dolly shot and look at this great rack focus. Rehearse it, see what the guys want to do naturally. And if it feels good and, and you can just, you know, find a nice place to put the camera where the camera doesn't get in their way and vice versa, then then just just document what you're seeing. So I felt that was a perfect example of that. So And I felt like Jared just like acted his ass off. Because he had to, I mean, not, not that he does in every scene, but, you know, you get a little, when you're, when you know, when, you know him and Jensen are in almost every scene together, or, you know, he's he's with one of the regular cast members. Well, Sam comes in, it's this, this whole, you know, breath of, of fresh blood that comes in there. And Sam is, you know, a real pro. Sam had a ton of questions for me and backstory and, and why. Now, why am I doing that? Now, if, I, if I'm a drunk, then where do I, how do I get my whiskey? How do I go into town? Somebody must go into town for me. He had those kind of depth questions for me. And, of course, at a certain point, he just looked at me and goes, I should stop asking questions, right? I said, well, you know, I mean, I think if you get too much information, you're going to jinx yourself. But once he came in and they rehearsed, um, I saw a side of Jared I'd never seen before. It was he was so good. I mean, just so, and you know, nice little nuances and and uh, and I just thought I'm real proud of that scene. And then and then, the one that that Jensen had talked about that he kind of forgot his cue line, when Matt Matt comes in, and tells the story about into the sheriff's station at the end there, 
you know, he throws him the the um the bullet and he realizes that, you know, he realizes what he is and that he can't get to the deputy, the last guy he wants to kill. Mm-hmm. Um that scene I thought Matt did an amazing job. And that was on location, that was out in Bordertown. Um great set of again, courtesy of Jerry Wanick and crew and um and I just felt like uh Jensen did a great job, Matt Gordon who uh is a Gordon actually came in and read for Finch's you know, the part of Finch. And I think Gordon was a regular on, on the show Andromeda because a bunch of the crew knew him already. Mm-hmm. Um, local guy, really good, solid, and he played the the perfect Weasley deputy. He played him so well. I was so happy with his performance. And uh, you know, again, you know, again, an actor that takes a part that you know you read it and you go, okay, well, this could be good, and then you have somebody bring it to life and get it, you know, what we say, you know, up on its feet. And actually, you know, breathing the lines, and it's like it's better than I ever could imagine. So that was another scene, and you know, there you go. So Jensen, I thought, just knocked it out of the park there. And then I also had a lot, a really great time with uh, all the, you know, the, the stuff with Jim and, and Misha, where he says, "Look, you know, I gotta, I gotta get a jump start off of your soul. I gotta touch your soul, and I gotta, you know." And he's like, "All right, well, don't kill me." You know, I mean, I thought, mm-hmm. you know, Jim and, and Misha just played those scenes great. That was a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. You know, again, I mean it. Uh, it was simple to cover because, you know, the, the material was there, the, and I knew I had the actors that I didn't have to get fancy with crane shots and dolly shots and just kind of get out of the way and just document what's already there. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I guess I have, like, three favorite things of that episode. Yeah, I'm sorry. i am just got one little bit of podcasting here. Okay. Uh, we have uh, two minutes remaining of our live portion. So uh, while we're still live and people are listening... Actually, Clarity, you've got 32 minutes left. We're set to re- to we're live for an hour and a half tonight. Oh, it is um, live for an hour and a half because normally we're just we're just live for an hour. I'm sorry, I didn't I didn't know that. So that's great. I'm, I'm glad cool. it is. I mean, we'd still be recorded afterwards, and the whole thing it will be available um, uh, in iTunes and through our website and Facebook and Twitter and and all those kind of things. But uh, I'm sorry, I didn't know we were um, live for the whole time. That's good news. Yeah, I actually just noticed it a few minutes ago myself. So, <laughs> <laughs> okay, but that's good. Um, I thought it was uh, really great how Finch. Um, he wasn't just a monster. You got a lot of like layers, and you, he was just trying trying to be a normal person. I mean, it isn't right to go around killing, but he wasn't just a monster. It wasn't just a one dimensional uh, thing. He really, he really actually made Dean understand there was more to him him just right. being a monster right well that's it i mean that you want to kind of believe that he is this this son of a bitch and that he deserves everything and then he then he tells the story about how it's all trumped up and i just want to be left alone and and you know these guys mm-hmm. did what they did and and of course you know you, you see you know jensen looks in the in the thing and he looks at the guy <clears throat> at dusty and he goes do you do this and you know dusty just needs to look down it's like oh my god you guys, you're the monsters, and you deserve what you know. And he even says, he has a, you know, there, yeah, I can't remember, the, I can't remember the exact dialogue, but you, it, it really pains him to say, you know, I gotta kill you. I mean, I can't. I'm here to do a job, and I, I you know, I'm keep looking at my watch. I keep any clock that's around. I, you know, we try to, you know, always show that there was a clock ticking. Um, you know, whether it's whether it was a, you know, a, you know, the, the timer that Bobby had in present day, or you know, anything, you know, we. 
you know, again, great, great art department that, that, you know, gets it and understands and, and, um, and, and pushes me and says, well, you want to clock here? You want to watch here? You mean, you know, how, how you want to do this? And, and so, um, yeah. And, and, you know, Matthew, again, I mean, I can't picture it with anybody else. I mean, I, you know, there was a couple of guys I had in mind and I'm kind of glad they weren't available. Um, because, you know, now again, I got, I've got another guy that I know I can rely on in the future when I have a part that I need to cast and I need, you know, I go, Hey man, Matt Armstrong, I got, I got the guy. So, um, as a director, you kind of try and you, 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 you build your repertory company of, of your friends that are also phenomenal actors and can deliver. Cause you know, it's selfishly, I, you know, I want them to make me look good and I want to make them look good. And if we've done it before and we've had a good experience, well, shit, let's do it against like heroin. It's like, oh, shit, let's do it again. <laughs> and so, um, you know, I, I definitely feel that way with, with uh, Sam Hennings and I, you know, because um, yeah, even though I knew him all those years, I mean, on Draw Zone, I was just the camera operator. And now now I've directed him and he sees how I work and, and, um, and vice versa. And, uh, man, I'm just, I'm a huge fan. Um, so, yeah, no, I, that was the, and that was why it was such a good part for somebody to, to for Finch. Mm-hmm. Um because it was it wasn't one dimensional. It wasn't a bad guy that eventually gets killed in a shootout and high noon. And that uh, yeah, that he he actually did have a backstory. Then you feel terrible about what happened. Mm-hmm. And then you know, poor Jensen's like, Fuck, I, you know, I'm here to do a job. I gotta I gotta go back. Mm-hmm. I mean, I gotta do right. what I gotta do and go back. And and time's running out. So I mean, that's fun. I mean, for for a director, anytime you got a a ticking clock. Um, it, it sort of had, again, Andrew and Daniel just, you know, handed me, you know, I, I hit the lottery. They handed me the script that was like, uh, you know, had every cool element for a director. I mean, and that's what I love about Supernatural in general as a director is you get great drama. I mean, really heavy drama, like life and death scenes all the time. Then you get stuff where Jensen's trying to describe to Bobby and, and uh, Sam about, you know, Save the Whales, Star Trek Four. Mm-hmm. Oh God! It's like I don't even know you guys anymore. I mean, some of that stuff—it's like I'm, I'm biting my lip, trying not to laugh behind the monitor because you know it's delivered so well. Um, and then you get these great special effects. I mean, to have the you know the the the, the level of sophistication on that TV show, which is just a little you know CW show. You know, I mean, I used to think it was a little show, and then I started meeting some of the fans and uh, getting twits and and uh, Facebook messages from the fans and, and I, it, you guys are unbelievably rabid and loyal and and CW knows it that's the nice thing mm-hmm. just from the little bit of you know snoop, snooping around and sniffing around I've done the CW is very aware of how uh, love this little show is and, and also through from the, the whole every corner of the world the show is love yep. so and, and it's it's felt it's it's felt it feels like an uphill struggle sometimes I, I know but but uh but uh, there's uh, there's people watching and listening and and uh, monitoring us. <laughs> That's great because cause we we love the show and we really appreciate all the hard work and dedication that goes into it. So we're happy to be able to give back with things like you know podcasts and voting for like the TV Guide Award and things like that. So, yeah. yeah. Well, you know exactly. You don't just end up on the cover of TV Guide, especially on a, on a thing that is a poll, like let's vote for who gets the and, – and it clearly overwhelmingly wins. People notice that. People – and it's like, whoa, whoa, you know, and then there's people that have never seen the show before that go, shit, i got to start watching that show. And then mm-hmm. they get hooked. And the other great thing about the show, that, from, at least from my experience, 
is it just there's no real demographic for the show. Yeah, sure, it's all the girls that think Jensen and Jared are cute, but there's there's every age range enjoys something about the show. Um, so so they it it, it and, and that translates translates across the world too. Mm-hmm. And I you know I have a, a unique perspective on it now because of all the people that have you know found me on Twitter and Facebook and they believe me they are from every corner of the world and it's not all female <laughs> so <laughs> it's fun and you know just a little bit uh, when I stuck my head in that that day at the uh, L.A. convention. And, uh, you know, I got there right as the boys took the stage, and, and Jensen said, just stick your head through that curtain for a second. And it was, uh, I, I I almost passed out. I couldn't believe the, the, the sense of energy, because, you you know, I mean, I think everybody knew that those guys were going to go on any second. And, uh, and you know, Cliff said, you got to come down. I mean, you got you got to witness this. I was like, what? The guys are going to sign some autographs and take some pictures? He goes, oh, no, no, no. <laughs> so I'm glad I did. It was it was a lot of fun, and it was good. And then, you know, I got I got a taste of it, so hopefully, you know, somewhere down the line I'll, I'll pop into another one. I'd like to see you as an official guest because I think you'd be a great guest. You know, you have so many great stories and, you know, inside yeah, perspective. I think it would be would be great. Yeah, it, it would be fun. Uh, um you know, and, and and someone from Creation has sent me an email, and they said, "Look, you know, this this year's budget for conventions. I don't know if it's every one of the ones they do is all spoken for, and you know, we've already kind of all the money has been. And I get that, I understand. But at the same time, they said, "But please let us know if you're going to be in Vancouver, going to be in Chicago, Nashville, what New Jersey, wherever, because mm-hmm. if you're anywhere near at least this year, um, we will definitely." get you in there, we'll promote you, we'll get you, you know, make sure that, you, that you're that you on all of our paperwork or whatever. Um, and then, you know, there's always next year. So, you know, if uh, and I think, I, yeah, and I think you guys have been vocal enough where they, they want to, they, I think they're understanding that, man, it would be great to get some writers and directors and producers. and mm-hmm. uh, Yeah, so um, I think it'll happen soon. And then cool. hopefully the, the theory is that maybe I'll be in Vancouver at the end of August working. That would um, be great. Yeah, you never know. <laughs> it could work out. Season seven, season seven, <laughs> and 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 you there directing again. Um, did you did did you know the bartender's name is Elkins? And we had heard there was going to be a little bit of a nod to a hunter, uh, a descendant of a hunter that we've we've seen already in an episode, and that has to be Daniel Elkins, um, a relative who was in the episode Dead Man's Blood, and also. Um, had to do with the cult and the gun. Did you know? Did you know about that? And yeah, well, Kevin Park. That's great. He hit me to it immediately because he said he when he read this, the script, he goes, "I wonder if this is what they're doing. If this is going to be something." So you know, in one of our tone meetings, he said to Sarah something about that. She goes, "Yeah, you know, she was, she was. We can't just give the guy the bartender the name Elkins without elaborating on it." So they added that one line after the guys meet with the sheriff and he tells them to go down to see the bartender. Or after, yeah, after they say you you should, you know, he's been here longer than whatever. Um, they did a walk and talk, and that's the part where he rips the bolo tie off and throws it down in the middle of the street before they get to the saloon. Um, he said they do say something about Elkins, huh? I mean, so so they they said we got to address that. We just got to add one little line, and so they did. And you know, I don't know if me personally, I don't know if that's going to pay off in the future or something. But it is, you know, it's just. It, the 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 diehard fans they knew we were going to catch that and so of course you guys did, um, but I, you know I don't know if it's going to go anywhere above and beyond that but uh, it's it certainly is an interesting 
you know, again, in the lexicon and the, the saga of the show, um, mm-hmm. you know, there's certain names and iconic images. And, and so, uh, so there you go. Yeah, that was definitely talked about. And, and you know, I don't, I don't think it was an accident, but, but Sarah did sort of say, well, you know, if we are going to call the bartender Elkins, we better just put one little line in there to, to address that. And, you know, the, the line when, when they come into the sheriff's station and he, go, and he goes, my name's, uh, you know, um, Marshall Eastwood, and this is Walker. He's a Texas Ranger. Mm-hmm. Um, the original line was, um, and this is um, Marshall um, Van Dam, Jean-Claude Van Dam. And I think I think the uh, the judge goes, "Oh, are you French?" And he uh, and and uh, Jared throws a look to Jensen, or you know, it's scripted. He throws a look to Jensen. He looks back at him. And he goes, "We." Oui. And they took it out. <laughs> they changed it to which I, I like the Walker Texas Ranger thing too. But mm-hmm. evidently, the Clint Eastwood was a uh, was a Back to the Future three line as well, where he called himself Clint Eastwood. And I, you know, again, I it's been so long. I totally. Back to the Future Three. Yeah, I just for some reason I didn't I didn't ever reference it um, for this. I just I I went to like real westerns, like all the spaghetti westerns, and like the serape was a crazy idea I had because I kept seeing the the um, that 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 image of of Clint Eastwood from either a few dollars or a fistful of dollars or a few dollars more, one of those in the poster where he's standing with that great serape. And so originally I, Diane didn't think anybody was going to like that. She goes, well, I don't know, I don't know, and then and then um, I think we threw the idea at, at Bob and Sarah, and they were like, yeah, that could be kind of fun, and then it also was the idea was that as as the episode goes on and and Jensen's or you know Dean's romantic image of what the West would could be and how cool it could be, it keeps getting torn apart, so it's like layers of the onion. So the serape comes off. Well, first they step in horseshit, and then serape comes off, and then the bolo tie comes off, and then you know eventually. You know, enough people make fun of them. Um, so we're, you know, taking away layers of 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 that romantic look that he thinks is what he should look like. Becky, um, I don't recall a bolo tie coming off. Do you remember that? Yeah, I don't remember that either. I don't think they should. I don't that. think it's in there, guys. Yeah, well, maybe they maybe they took that out. We had a long lens shot of um, after they leave, after the uh, judge says or the the sheriff says. Um, um, Go ask Elkins down at the saloon. He's been mm-hmm. here longer than anybody. That's right. A shot. They might have taken that out for time. Um, a shot of them walking down the street, the main thing, and um, and he uh, pulls off the tie, and then he and he grabs some dirt and he puts it on. He tries to dirty himself up. No. They may have taken no, that out. Oh well, that was that's there's there's one cutting room floor victim right there. Yeah. Um, um, but yeah, was and, that was, and that was and that was the Saloon girls aren't all what Dean hoped they would be. Oh, not at all. <laughs> and and uh, and our gal that played, uh, um, you know, the main girl that you know eventually, you know, we witness or she witnesses uh, the judge's demise. Um, April was great. April did a great job, and um, you know, she she came in and auditioned, and she and she had given herself like a little cold sore, and she dirtied her teeth up. Okay. She was the only she was the only actor that came in and had the you know sort of the guts to like you know she'd read the script and you know it was like this this filthy you know diseased version of what of of what he hoped would you know would be these great beautiful you know saloon girls and so she went that extra mile and she was she was really good she's a very experienced actor so she did a great job I was, I was a big fan and she's now on uh, on Twitter you can find her. I think she's Telectra at Telectra. 
April Tellick. But yeah, they may have taken that scene out, and that that was the scene where he says um, the the line about Elkins. So um, so obviously it wasn't as important as we thought. Who knows? But no, when you look, four minutes had to come out, so it's got to come from somewhere. Right. But we all caught the name, so that, that was enough. It yeah. Was fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, there's a lot of fun stuff. I mean, you know, it, you know the 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 stuff you find that's not in the script that. That you know, like you know, I find with the actors is always a lot of fun. Like the like when he when Jensen goes to get Dusty and he's packing up to leave and he's putting all that stuff in the suitcase. Originally, the knock on the door um, was supposed to be off camera. So so you know so he grabs you know so Dusty grabs his gun and he goes, um, "Who is it?" And then he hears Candy Graham or whatever the line was. So we shot that. I thought, well, let's just put a camera out here and shoot Jensen saying it. So we did one take like that. And then I and I said I said do a version where you're trying to disguise your voice like you're a lady, like clearly you know you're you're gonna you're gonna sound like a guy trying to sound like a lady, right? So you know he did the he did the I think that's the version we left in. Yep. He says Candy Graham and he does it in the high voice. Yeah. So that you know yeah, that was, was very funny. Yeah, that was something that we you know wasn't scripted other than you know a knock at the door off camera. And then when he busts in, but you know, I mean, it was it, we, the audience knows that it's going to be Jensen, so it's okay to, to tip our hand there a little bit. Um, but yeah, I mean, little stuff like that's fun to find because you know it's like you know, I show up the day to shoot that, and I'm not thinking about that. But um, you know, when you when you start getting into that mode, everybody starts finding things that, that you know, and you try stuff. You don't have to use it. It's better to have it in, in the editing room and not use it than it is to get in the editing room and go, oh, man, it would have been nice to have this, and I don't. So that's always the theory, at least for me. Well, I'm guessing you're going to need to get off of here soon so you can watch the episode. That's right. I'm looking. It's like, you know, 18 minutes. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we, we absolutely love the episode, and I just also want to thank you for everything that you do for the fans with all, you know, tweeting with us and posting the pictures and everything. You are just, you know, just one of the most awesome crew people that, you know, you're mm-hmm. just so great to the fans, and we really, really appreciate it. Yeah, well, you know, it's, it was all sort of new to me because um, I think, you know, the whole Twitter thing I had, I had never done until about August, which was about, you know, what, a month, about a month before I went up to do Family Matters, because there's this little web series that I that I work, uh, you know, sort of direct and, and write and produce called Raisin Junior, and so we wanted to start a little, you know, try and get some of the things that we shot viral, and we heard Twitter was the best way to get things viral because people retweet and then their friends retweet that, et cetera, et cetera. So we, um, my buddy started the Twitter thing, and so for, so I could follow it. I thought, well, you know, I'll just friend it and see what happens. And then I think when I went to do Family Matters, I had like 100 followers, just friends. And then by the time I came back from Family Matters, I probably had 500. And then, and then you know, once I got into, uh, you know, figuring out how to do um, uh, twit picks and um, started sending. And I tried not to do anything that was too uh, – it was all a spoiler or anything that would upset the CW um, publicity department. So some of those pictures were a little nebulous and, and – bizarre and but at the same time you know i i once i got in the editing room i talked to sarah and i said look you know i sent some stuff and she was oh no no we you know we're, we're cool with all that you know the fans love it and so and i said but i would never do anything you know like sort of what i just said and nothing that would step on any toes or ruin anything for anybody 
and I didn't. And so uh, it became kind of fun. And then, you know, anytime mm-hmm. I could send something, any kind of, you know, tidbit of information, and, you know, all those pictures that I've been putting up on the Facebook and Twitter, you know, for the last 10 days, uh, have been, have been, it's been really a lot of fun. I think I just hit 2,000 followers today, which is, you know, crazy. Congratulations. <laughs> it was a real treat to get all the pictures and everything. We really, really appreciated. Everybody's been so excited for this episode, you know, Western, because Jared and Jensen have always talked about like wanting to do some kind of Western, if yeah. not on the show, but to have it on our beloved Supernatural and do a Western, it was it's like a like a dream come true. It was a real yeah. treat, and so it was, it was, delighted that you're the one who directed it. Yeah, it was great because when I got up there that Friday night, you know, like when I went down to that fish pack, you know, fish plant where they packed all the fish, and I saw the look on those guys' faces, and they were like, you know. Because I, I guess you know they had already sort of been consulted about wardrobe and some stuff leading up to me getting there. They were like they were so excited and, and um, you know there was a few things I wanted to discuss with Jensen. But, you know particularly that scene where um, Matthew comes in and he eventually you know grabs the gun and shoots Dusty through the bars. Because I, I never wanted I, I was grappling with that the way it was going to be blocked because I didn't want uh, Dean to look stupid like he let some guy just walk right past him because in the real world. So the guy's a professional hunter. He'd never let anybody get past him and get a gun, and and um, yeah, and so um, you would never, he would never let let that happen. So you know, I kind of explained to him what the geography was of the of the you know the real location, and and drew a, drew a map. And here's where you know we could put the gun, we could put the holster on a nail, we could put it on the desk, and as you walk forward, he could walk past you. And and you know there was all that stuff of well he if he touched you you'd die so you don't want to get too close to him you know that and so uh, you know I explain all that and Jensen goes well look I'm out of my element I'm I'm 150 years in the past I'm not expecting him to go for the gun so you know as Jensen I'd buy that Dean would let his guard down a little bit and he'd blow right past me and grab the gun and that's sort of all we needed to do but I you know I never wanted to to immediately kind of assume that he would be cool with something. So uh, we collaborated a lot. I mean, if, thank God they, they did all that stuff on um, uh, whatever the episode was, that, that whatever 616 was. They did a bunch of that stuff, you know, where they, they uh, you know, duct taped Jim Beaver and, you know, the little thing goes in and out of the ear and all that. So they had, they had many days on stage there. So I was able to run down in between meetings and, and – uh, and kind of collaborate and think and, and spitball ideas with the boys, and they were all they were good with everything. It's just you know a testament to how confident they are and, and uh, how good they are and, and trusting me, et cetera. And it's a uh, it's it's for a director that's the best. Mhm. Yeah. It was that there's just a, like like you're saying they're 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 so good. It was just a little tiny moment and and. Uh, phrase that the way Jared tells um, Samuel Colt, uh, believe me, I've got mileage, and yeah. you know you know why Sam has mileage. He doesn't have to explain everything to Samuel Colt. I thought the way he said it, his expression, his tone, it's just a just a moment. But I thought it was really great, really great. Yeah, and there was a, I'm funny you say that because there was a line there originally where I think Jared said something about I'm not just some kid. Or something that that felt like something that Sam wouldn't say, and so we just cut it. We you know we called and said, "Hey, is this okay if we cut this?" And Sarah was like, "Yeah, sure." Um, but it was like there was an easier, more eloquent way for Jared to say it, and it told the same story, and it did, it was a, it was kind of clunky or something. But you know that's you know again that's 
that's a great relationship that they have where they're able to do that. Um, no, here's another example. You know, when we did the we blocked the scene out, I wanted to block it in a way where um, uh, when he when Misha first tells them, um, I can only send you back for 24 hours, and he goes, well, you know, they say why? Jared, I had Jared step up, and um, and Jim is still sitting back at the desk, like cleaning a gun or something. And he starts to explain in this really, you know, scientific way. And I think uh, Bobby cuts him off and says something to the effect of, uh, yeah, yeah, aim, aim lower. Well, that was just yeah. a line. It was just a line in the script. And I said, I said, I think the reason I had this in my head for, for you to step forward, Jared, is I wanted, I wanted Jim's character to go, yeah, aim lower, and then just do like a head nod towards, towards Sam. Like, uh-huh. So it's like a little inside joke for the audience that Sam will never know, you know, so instead of saying just like aim lower just for all of us, it's almost like, yeah, yeah, aim lower, and he nods towards Sam like, you know, we I get it, but, you know, the kid ain't going to get it. And Jared, love lo- he loved that. He loved that. <laughs> he was like, yeah, you know, that's good, good, you got to do that, you got to do that, that's great. You know, but you, you need a confident actor who's like not going to take that personally. You know, he I, it wasn't something that that's, that's uh, any kind of swipe at Jared, it's, it's playing, having fun with Sam. So, um, you know, there's got, the guys are great with that kind of stuff. And so and the more you can throw at them, you know, the better. I mean, you know, because, you know, you get into a rut. I mean, they've done how many, 130 episodes or something, and it's really easy to go through the motions. So I always try and come in there and shake it up as, you know, as much as I can within reason. You know, I don't want to upset the apple cart too much and do something that's not what the show is about. But, um, you know, I've been given a lot of freedom. I mean, you know, uh, talking with Phil and, and, and Bob and even Jim Michaels, it's like, you know, what do you guys think about this? What do you guys think about that? And, and, and it's I don't think they've ever said, oh, no, we would never do that or don't do that or we, we hate it when you do that. It's 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 a kid in a candy store for me. Mm-hmm. All right, it's getting that time, isn't it? Yes, it's getting yes. that time. <laughs> all right, well, I'll, okay, all, all you West Coast fans, uh, yep, have there fun. You go. Ho- hopefully... Uh, and let me know what you think. Um, I've got a lot of great twits here. I haven't or tweets that I haven't uh, haven't even had a chance to read. But um, I'm gonna I'm gonna flip through right now and check it out. And then all the West Coasters got to send me your uh, your uh, notes after you see it tonight. Okay. Well, thanks again, Guy. It was great to have you here. Congratulations on a on a wonderful episode. And and I hope uh, seventh season and you direct again. And of course, uh, we love to have you back again. Well, that that's the theory. You know, Bob Bob Singer called me after he saw my cut. You know, and said, um, you know, I look season seven's looking good, and uh, you know, we don't know anything. I wish I did, but uh, if it happens, when it happens, uh, we're gonna we're gonna try and keep you busy up here. So they know how much fun I, I have when I go up there, and Great. and um, so uh, oh, that's the theory that that they will keep me busy. So I don't know how many that means, uh, and uh, but I, I don't care. One one would be fine, and 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 a bunch more than that would be cool with me too. <laughs> You're welcome back anytime. Yeah, and I'll, yes, I'll definitely, I'll definitely have fun with uh, the, uh, you know, tweeting and, and uh, sending pictures from the set. I mean, that's that's a lot of fun because it's easy to do. It takes you know 30 seconds to send something fun, even little silly stuff like our Super Bowl pool or the picture, oh, yeah. you know, a picture of somebody's boot with a spur on it. I mean, little stuff like that. So it, it's easy to do and a lot of fun. So uh, look for more of that if uh, season seven happens. Great. All right. Thank cool. You. Thanks All right, guys. Again. Have, have, have a great night. Thanks so much, and uh, and uh, and we'll talk soon. Okay. Thanks, guys. Thanks, guys. Okay. Good night. Good night. Enjoy Bye. the app.
All right, bye. Yeah, before before we go, I just wanted to um, mention that tomorrow night we're going to have another podcast uh, um, at 7.30 Eastern Time, 4.30 West Coast Time. We're going to have special guest Ivan Hayden. He's the visual effects supervisor for Supernatural, and he's going to be on the show talking about Supernatural and the, his new web series, Divine, the series that is made by Supernatural crew members. So it should be a lot of fun, so make sure you check back Saturday the April 23rd at 7.30 Eastern Time, 4.30 for Ivan Hayden. Right, and that's our usual time, the special time tonight. I I thought uh, I thought it was a good show tonight. It was a lot of fun. Thank you again to Guy for being on. We've got about four or five minutes left. Um, it was a it was a great episode. We'll have to we'll get a chance to talk a little bit about it in the supernatural mythology season because. You know, a lot went on, you know, between Castiel and Rachel and, and, and everything with Samuel Colt and the Phoenix. We had, a, we had a lot to talk about. I mean, I wouldn't trade Guy being on for anything, but it was definitely not just a fun Western episode. It had a lot of... Uh, uh, I have I have to say, I'm completely shocked. After all we've heard about this Rachel character, and then, boom, she's gone. I, I was completely shocked. I, I was, too. I was like, wait a minute, she's dead? Well, why? I mean, I I liked her enough in her in her couple of scenes. I I liked that she was you know feisty and she didn't think too much of you know Sam and Dean and and all that. And then I mean, it was a great fight scene between her and uh, uh, Cass. But I did not expect her to die so quickly. So uh, Guy did say we're going to see her in flashbacks. So we we'll see more of her, but we'll already know she's gone. So mm-hmm. hmm. curious. Very curious. And we just keep finding out little tiny bits more about what Cass has been up to and nobody seems too happy about it. Well, I guess we will end this end this show tonight and just get ready for tomorrow then. Okay. Well, thanks, everybody, for listening. Hope you had a good time. Uh, don't forget, tomorrow night, 7.30, Ivan Hayden. Uh, more good questions and discussion. Thank you so much. Uh, thank you, Becky. Thanks, Clarity. Becky. <laughs> What's up? I said, thanks, Clarity. Oh, <laughs> you're welcome. Well, a little bit, little bit there, but I guess that's it. Thanks a lot. Good night, everybody. Bye. Thanks for listening. Yep. Bye.